Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. A couple of months ago, we were celebrating my daughter's birthday, and my parents and my in-laws had driven up from Kentucky to Ohio. We went, took her out to eat to celebrate. And uh, the night before, my dad and I were on the phone, and um, we were talking, and he said, well, we're coming up tomorrow to celebrate the birthday. Is there anything you need? And sometimes I'll just say this kind of, I'll say, a big bag of money. And Thanks for laughing. Uh, he laughed too. And he goes, I got the bag. And um, so we finished up the the presents for, for my daughter, Caitlin. We finished up the meal and on the way out, he goes, oh yeah, here, I, I remember this. And he handed me this bag, uh, just a paper bag folded up. He's like, here's your bag. Uh, he, he thought he was so funny. And uh, we, we close up, we get in the car and um, I open that bag and wouldn't you know, there was a check in there for money. And my dad had given me something I, don't, I didn't earn and I didn't deserve only just because he loved me. Now, if you had taken that check he had given me and made it into ones, it would have filled up that entire bag. So it would have been a bag full of money, but he just gave me a gift because he loves me. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. He just gave me a gift. This was a, a mercy, a, a grace from my father to me. And, and don't you know that our heavenly father, God above, gives us those same kinds of mercy and gifts, not necessarily cash, but grace upon grace upon grace. Uh, in John chapter 1, it says, whatever grace God gives us, when we use all of that grace up, he just replaces it with more grace. Whatever we don't deserve and we can't earn, whenever we use up that gift from God, he just replaces it with another gift. He gives grace upon grace upon grace, mercy upon mercy upon mercy. We're finishing up our sermon series about what God says about our bodies, and we're going to finish it up with Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Now, when we read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it talks about, um, the, it, it encourages us, it commands us to use our entire body, our entire self to go serve God. But it says we should do this because of the mercies of God. Let me read that verse to you, and we'll break down kind of what it means uh, for us and how we can live it out in our life. Here's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Well, as we're talking about our bodies and what God wants us to do with it, we, we have covered the ground that God created us on purpose and for a purpose. So it matters to him what we do with our bodies. Then we've looked at how we live in this broken world and our bodies are broken. We're messed up people. So God sent a perfect body, Jesus Christ, a person to save us. And then we talked a little bit more about, I'm surprised at how much the scripture says about how we're supposed to use our bodies, using our bodies to glorify him. There is a, um, a uh, very famous author right now named Simon Sinek, and he talks about these concentric golden circles. And he, he's talking about it for uh, businesses. 
And he says, most businesses have the what and the how, and, and they say the what we do, and then how we do it. And he says, well, what we do, most people know what a business does. And then the how we do it, there's a, uh, less people that know how they do it. But he said the most important part of these three concentric circuits, the very middle circle, why do we do what we do? And so for the church, what we do is we make disciples, and how we do it is, is we have to become a disciple ourselves, and, and we do that through spiritual, um, sp- uh, spiritual practices, um, and we become a disciple, and we help other people become a disciple. But why? Why do we make disciples and become a disciple? Why do we practice spiritual, disi- spiritual practices? And the why is what he mentions here in 12.1, the mercies of God. In Romans chapter 12 here, it starts with this, therefore. What's it therefore? Well, Paul spends the first 11 chapters talking about the mercies of God. So very quickly, we're going to go through 11 chapters of Romans talking about the mercies of God. First, I want you to notice that God sees us, and he sees us exactly for who we are. He sees us. The mercy there, let me just talk about him seeing us. When, he, when I say he sees us, he knows everything about us. He knows our beginning, and he knows all of our life, and he knows our end. And he sees all in between. He sees everything we ever think, everything we ever do. He sees us. I have a friend of mine who claims that this, they have never sinned. They, they, they're just a good person. That they only do good things. Well, we have to ask this question. I said this in the beginning, first hour, and a friend of mine came up to me after the first hour and they said, I just had a phone conversation. It wasn't the same person, but I just had a phone conversation with somebody who said they don't sin. They're a good person. And so here is the way this logic goes. If you have never sinned and you are a good person, then you probably have obeyed to perfection the greatest commandment. Well, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind. So to the people who think they have never sinned, that means they followed to perfection the greatest commandment. To love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you have ever been selfish... If you have ever done something for yourself based on your own desire for yourself and you weren't giving that completely to the Lord your God, you have failed at the greatest commandment, which makes you a sinner. Well, if you study God at all, you know he is holy and perfect. And if you study people at all, you know that there is no one perfect except one Jesus Christ. So if you claim to be without sin, either your theology, your study of God is wrong, or your anthropology, your study of people is wrong. And God sees us. In Romans chapter 1, it says, although they knew God, they didn't worship him and they didn't give thanks. This is a dangerous place to be. And yet we're met with a mercy. In the very first chapter of Romans, Paul says there's this grace, there's this mercy that comes. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it, that God calls us to be with him. 
And he sent Jesus Christ to be with us. Jesus Christ, who the prophets told about and the scripture told about, who is the son of God and the son of David. He fulfills all the prophecies and he comes to be with us to rescue us. Mercy upon mercy. In chapter 2, the mercies continue. Chapter 2, it says, the riches of God's kindness, his forbearance, his patience. He gives us time to turn back to him, even though we, haven't, even though we keep breaking that greatest commandment. To love God with all of our being, he is patient with us. He sees us, and he gives us mercy. Chapter 3, he talks about these uh, words, righteousness, justification, atonement, and union. Those are big churchy words. And very quickly, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll kind of go through them. Righteousness here means we have a right relationship to God's law. There are two ways you can be right with God's law. You can be perfect and you can obey everything perfectly in his law and you are right with the law. Or you break the law and there's a penalty that comes where you are punished for breaking the law. And if you're punished for breaking the law, you're right with the law. The penalty, of course, is death and eternal death in hell forever. So you can be right with the law in two ways. You perfectly obey it or you suffer the penalty for breaking it. How are you going to be righteous to God? So he sends Jesus Christ who always obeyed that first commandment perfectly. He loved the Lord, our God, with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength. He was always obedient. He never even had a stray thought. He was perfect. So he was right with God's law because of obedience. And his perfection enabled him to take our place for the penalty. So what we deserved to be punished for our breaking the law, Jesus Christ took our place and was punished in our place. This is why we can be justified. That's another churchy word. Justification means there's no penalty for us because it's been paid in Jesus. This is a mercy. We didn't earn it. We can't earn it. And we don't deserve it. And because Jesus justifies us by paying for us, penalty on him, he pays for it with his blood, his life, his blood covers over our sin, washing us clean. We have now atonement covered over. Because we're covered over by the blood of Christ, we can now be united to God. You see, he sees us exactly for who we are, and he sees exactly what we need, and he gives us mercy. And that mercy is safety. That mercy is safety. He continues with the mercies of God from chapter 3 to chapter 4. He says, there's safety now because God will never count your sins against you. In chapter 5, he says, because your sins are never going to be counted against you, you now have peace with God, access to God, and hope because the Holy Spirit will fill up your heart with love. This is safety in God. It's mercy upon mercy. He not only sees us, but he sees what we need, and he gives us safety through Christ. And he not only gives us safety through Christ, he also soothes us. 
If Jesus did all this by dying for us, how much more, how much more mercy is going to give to us because now he lives for us? It's like we got that bag, and once we take out the bag, we're so surprised. There was money in the bag, but then we reach in, there's, it's, it's got something else for us. A never-ending bag of mercies from God. And it soothes us. In chapter 6, 7, and 8, it says, you are now dead to your old way. You have a new way you can live. You used to live in your own power, but that way is dead. Now you live in Christ and you're empowered by his spirit. Your new self is alive with Christ and you're guaranteed a resurrection because just like Jesus was raised from the dead, you're now connected to him and so you will be raised from the dead. This is mercy upon mercy upon mercy. You're saved by your old self, by Jesus's self. And you're not condemned, but now you're led by the spirit. And you have the mind of the Spirit, so you can rely on God's mind, you can rely on His Spirit to lead you. He sees us. He gives us safety. He soothes us. And these are mercy upon mercy upon mercy. And there's great security here. Great security. In chapter 8, it says, you're no longer condemned. And we can't imagine... What's great security that gives us? He allows people that are not his people to become his people. Chapter 9. If you're far from God, he holds out, chapter 10, a pleading hand. Come to me because you need to be rescued and I will send Jesus to rescue you. But you get to turn to me. I won't force you. And there's this great kindness to continue with him, the good and perfect shepherd. Chapter 11, there's this kindness that he keeps reaching out to us. He sees us. He, he gives us safety. He soothes our soul. He soothes our mind. He gives us security in all because of Christ. This is mercy upon mercy upon mercy. I, uh, I don't know if I told this story before, but I've been telling it a lot recently. It just struck a nerve in me when I heard it. Um, there was a, a preacher, and he was visiting Wales, and he was at a sheep farm. A, 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 I don't even know if they're called a farm or a flock. I, I don't even know. I'm, I can type fast. That's it. And he says, this, these sheep coming in, they have uh, these mites in their ears and in their eyes and in their nose, and it just drives them crazy. And the only way to kind of get rid of it, and it, the, they have fleas, is to just the way they do it is they grab the sheep and they dunk them under this uh, chemical bath that gets rid of these mites. And the sheep, they are picked up and they're startled immediately. The shepherd dunks them under the water, and of course that causes them to sputter. They don't know what's going on. They're poking their head out, and, and they don't know what's going on. And as soon as they get their head above the line, he pushes them under again. And after about two dunks, the shepherd takes them out. They're covered in that chemical, and all the mites are killed, and they can go on with their life. You know, there's this big gap. This is the story, the part that just struck a nerve with me. There's a gap between what the shepherd knows and understands and what the sheep can know and understand. And even if the shepherd explains it to the sheep, they still won't understand that he is saving them, that he is helping them, that he is rescuing them. And this preacher said, don't you think that if there's a gap between the shepherd and the sheep, there's probably an even larger gap between our heavenly father who is called the shepherd and us who he calls sheep. There's even a larger gap on what we can understand. 
And don't you think sometimes God, without explanation, because even if he explained it to us, we couldn't understand, sometimes dunks us in a way that rescues us and we can't understand it, but we're really uncomfortable while it happens? And wouldn't that be another mercy? And that's exactly how chapter 11 ends. It ends with this poem, this song to God, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgment and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has even been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Mercy upon mercy upon mercy. And sometimes we can't even understand the mercy. He sees us. He offers us safety. He soothes us all through Christ, and then he gives us security because of what Christ has done for us, not based on what we can understand or do, but because of what Christ has done for us. Therefore, in view of God's mercies, offer your bodies to God. Now we're back to where we started. 12 verse 1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. In this short little passage in verses 1 and 2, we have a call to action, a call to an adjustment, and a call, uh, excuse me, a call to, to be willing to be altered. Action, adjustment, and alteration. The first call to action is because the why, because of what God has done for you, the call to action is now live for him. Because of what God is currently doing for you, now live for him. Being a a spiritual sacrifice. Sacrifice means we give up our lives, but being a living sacrifice is how we do it every day. Jesus says, if you want to follow him, if you want to be my disciple, in Luke chapter uh, 9, he says, you need to take up your cross daily and follow me. Well, a cross is a torture device. A cross is is an instrument of death. How do you take up an instrument of death and do it every day? You have to die to yourself. Jesus says, narrow is the gate and few find it who are going to follow me, but wide is the road that leads to destruction and everybody's on it. What does this mean? How do you take up your cross daily? How do you find the narrow gate and not be on the wide gate? And it has to do with how you are living for the Lord. Do you obey him or do you not obey him? The narrow gate is obedience to Christ. The wide gate is do whatever you want. The narrow gate, few are there. The wide gate, the whole world is there. But in view of God's mercies to you, if you are a Christ follower, it only makes sense if you follow Jesus. It only makes sense if you're a disciple. If you're not a disciple, it doesn't doesn't make any sense to you. But if you're a follower of Jesus, in view of what he has done for you, in view of his love and his mercy, his grace, in view that he came in spite of of who you were. Turn your whole life to him. This is how you worship every day 
It's a call to action to worship God using your whole self. But it's also a call to an adjustment. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The whole world wants you to be like itself. My wife uh, makes the best chocolate chip cookies. And after she makes the chocolate chip cookie dough, like when I make chocolate chip cookies, if I make the dough, I just scoop out a spoonful, swap it on the pan, put it in the oven, it's ready to go. No, no, no. She takes the dough and she like shapes it into a ball. And she takes this pan full of cookie dough, perfectly round cookies, and she puts that pan in the refrigerator or freezer. Then, after they get just a little bit more uh, consistent, and they're a little cooler because they cook better that way, she'll leave the room, and I'll come in and steal one of those perfectly formed cookie dough balls. And I'll take a spoonful and thwack it right in the place, hoping she doesn't notice. Then she puts it in the oven after she yells at me for taking one that she worked hard on. Listen, the world wants to take you and shape you to itself. And it wants to make you cold toward God. But in view of God's mercies, and we dwell on what he has done for us. We have this call for an adjustment. We will not be shaped by the world. Instead, we are willing to be altered, conformed, and shaped, and pressed into the mold God wants for us. Listen to these words. It's found in verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be pressed into the world shape that it wants you to take. Instead, be transformed. Be willing to be altered by the renewing of your mind. This is key. It all has to do with what you're thinking about and what you're dwelling on and what you're being taught from. And listen, the world will try to shape you and will try to trick your mind, and it will fill you full of lies, but you're no longer going to be conformed to the world, shaped by the world. You're instead willing to be altered by what God says. What God says about our bodies. What God says about how we live. The Christ follower, in view of God's mercies, he says, I'll do whatever you tell me to do, and I will obey and the more we do that, the more we are transformed by the renewing of our mind by what God says, the more we prove out what he says is true. The more we live out the way he says to live, which is what the end of the verse says. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Not like testing it to see if it's true or not, but living it out and showing, revealing, proving that it is true. His good and perfect will wherever you go. You're not perfect at this, but you're not doing it to earn it. You're not doing it so you can get something you don't deserve. No, you're doing it because of what he's already done for you. Based on his mercies. You think you just get a bag, but you reach in and there's mercy in there. And you use it all up and he just replaces it with more mercy. And as you live it out, 
This is so cool. As you live out this life of spiritual sacrifice, as you live out this embodied way of following Jesus, as you live out the way where you're no longer conformed to the world, but you're being transformed by the, by the word of God, you're being transformed by, the, transformed by the renewing of your mind, watch what happens to your life. You begin to see people for how they are and who they are, and you can't help but have compassion on them and offer them the same grace that God gave you. And as you give them more grace, they will not only notice that you see them and that you're reaching out to them, but you're offering something that they don't have, a safety that they don't have, and you get to offer them Christ. And all of a sudden, you're offering, you're seeing them, and you're offering safety to them through Jesus Christ. And as you live out this transferred mind, it begins to soothe the people you come in contact with It removes their anxiety and removes their fear and it gives them hope because now you are the means by which God is using the Holy Spirit to fill them full of love. And don't you see that as your mind is transformed, you allow yourself to be altered by God, you are living because of what he has done for you, you now start making a difference in other people. And you become the Christ that they get to see. What God has done, he's seen you, he's offered safety to you, he soothes your soul, he gives you security. Now all of a sudden you are doing that for others. And then they, they can't help but want to know what you have. They can't help but want to know Jesus Christ. You get to share that with them. See, the gospel Jesus taught when he was here Jesus taught a gospel. He, the good news Jesus spoke is that God is with you. The kingdom of God is at hand. The gospel Jesus gave was you can now participate in the power and the presence of God right now. And as your mind is transformed, as you live out your life embodied spiritual sacrifice, daily picking up your cross to obey him instead of obeying your own selfish desires, you help bring people into the kingdom of God. see them. You offer them the safety of Christ, and it soothes their soul, and you remind them constantly of the security, the assurance they have, they can have in Jesus Christ. This is how we live out our lives as a spiritual sacrifice. This is true worship. It happens every day now, not just singing on Sunday morning, not just rehearsing and then singing one song. It's a life style of worship. And it's all because of what God says we're to do with our bodies. Thanks again for joining us. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just need more information about our church, please visit us online at wcconline.org connect. Fill out that connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining and we will see you back here next time.